listening to the Thundercling Podcast. <laughs> Hi, it's Feedy. Hello, my name is David. And what is the name of this podcast again? It's called The, the Thundercling Podcast. Awesome. Wow. I haven't heard that name in a long time, Dave. It's been a while. And it's been a long time. Back from the dead. Somebody dug us up. Yep. <laughs> and reanimated us. We're roaming this landscape like necromancers. Necropodcasters. Necropodcasters. And... Yeah. What could possibly reanimate us? Feeling? Well, you know, my friend Jamie Emerson. Wait, my, no. it's only yeah, just my friend. Oh shit! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that's okay. No, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. yeah anyways, <laughs> Jamie, uh, he's got a new guidebook coming out, uh, which I know a bunch of climbers are really excited about. But on top of that, he's sort of has maybe one of the better correspondences with the Rocky Mountain uh rangers mm-hmm. and he kind of got some info from them uh regarding the status of bouldering in chaos canyon that we figured would be good to share so that is what reanimated us correct it felt like a it felt like a solid enough reason to maybe come back just for one more it's the news of the day folks we're here for the news of the day yeah. this day in particular probably not many other days mm-hmm. but this day in particular and we got to say to another former guest uh, who almost died in Rockfall out there, Jeremy, yeah. Jeremy Fullerton. Jeez, thank God. Yes. I don't know if you guys all saw the Rockfall and Upper Upper where like yes. a city block slid off the side of the mountain. My goodness. Jeremy, William Mondragon, maybe some other folks. I apologize. I don't remember. Yeah. But they captured all that crazy footage you probably saw all over Instagram. Um. But yeah, that was gnarly. We have a little news about that too. Jamie yeah. has a little news about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is this is you know what this is called in in the biz. What? This is called infotainment. Yeah, we're infotainers. That's what you know. That's what we become. <laughs> I feel like a container sometimes. Yeah, I, this is a fucking bad joke, dude. Sadness. I don't know why I said that. A container of sadness. No, no unmitigated joy. Is what I feel I'm <laughs> containing. Um, anyway, we should, uh, this is going to be really good. I know we're kind of at the end of the season for the park and Evans. Um, I don't know, man. We might have another couple months here. Yeah, but people, some people are starting to get psyched. This is super good. Oh, yeah, temps. Yeah. Lordy. Um, mm-hmm. This is great information uh, for passionate climbers in the Alpine in Colorado for this year and preparing for next year. Yeah, excellent. Jamie, take it away. Jamie, take it away. Uh, yeah, and we'll also be on the outro if you want to hear a little bit more about stuff. Thanks. Thanks. If I had to lean one way, I'd probably lean left. Because social injustice don't give my respect now. Some say my heart, it's bleeding out of my chest. If I had to lean Fucking needle, oh, here's a sword, body pierced with this. Living them uh. up, never giving them up. <laughs> Whoa, Man, Jamie. Jefferson's bike is I could, hot. Did you quit climbing and just start rapping, dude? Yes. <laughs> That's yes, hot. I did. What's your tag? Uh, I don't share. have one. I'm I'm unnamed. unnamed. I like that. Well, welcome, Jamie, to our reunion. <laughs> Please edit that out. Yeah, don't worry. <clears throat> yeah, holy shit, it's been a while. 
but we are here with Jamie Emerson, guidebook author. I mean, nothing's been going on for like two years since we stopped, so no. it feels like it was just yesterday. The world's just kind of trudging along as normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Thundercling decided that it had done all it could for the climbing community. Um, but now we're back because there's more to do. There's more to do. <laughs> there's some heavy lifting that needs to be done. And uh, when duty calls. So you're done writing the guidebook, the Rocky Mountain National Park, Mount Evans guidebook, volume two. Is that what it's called? Volume two. So we, we decided to split the guidebook into two versions. This, this is Mount Evans. The time. first one is done, pr- available for pre-order. And it's the bouldering guide to Mount Evans. <clears throat> and there was some controversy about the name of Mount Evans because there was talk about oh, yeah. changing changing the name to Mount Blue Sky, which there is a movement, and I fully support the movement to change the name. And so, but we were kind of in a conundrum about what we could actually call the call the guidebook because <laughs> it's not officially called Mount Blue Sky yet. But there has been a precedent from the governor that they are that they will change. They are willing to change the names of mountains. So what's it tentatively called right now? A bouldering guidebook to a mountain gui- in the future that will <laughs> formally be known as Mount Evans. <laughs> we debated this a lot, and I advocated actually to call it a bouldering guidebook to Mount Evans, but um, the publisher wasn't comfortable with that because it's not actually the name of the mountain. Yeah. Although I did strongly push for that uh, as hoping to be like a force of that change. Yes. Um, but... We we in the end decided to go with the bouldering guide to Mount Evans with a little nod to Blue Sky in the background of the cover. Uh, if you'll see that, so yeah, that one's done. That one's nice, av- available for pre-order. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, and, I feel like when we last had you on, you were like still had so much to do for that book, but now you're here. Now I'm here. Yep. <laughs> and the 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 Rocky Mountain National Park bouldering guidebook is probably ninety percent done. Uh-huh. And we just have some editing, um, but it's 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 basically ready to go. Yeah, so, I was just gonna say. So Evans is at the printers. Evans is being printed as we speak, oh and God. we're just waiting to waiting to get the guidebook back. We are running into some uh, logistics issues with shipping, so it's taking a little bit longer. As if you've been paying attention <laughs> to the economy at all, supply chain supply chain issues Damn. are holding this up a little bit because it was printed in Asia. So uh, hopefully by the end of July, uh, it'll be in people's hands. Still, I mean, the digital uh, pre-order, you get access to it digitally. Do you do get access to the pre-order. You you can get the full guidebook. There are a couple minor errors that Mm -hmm. people caught, which is great. And those will be corrected in the, in the physical copy. And yeah, you get it. You get the guidebook. You get to see it. You get to read the history, the essays. How's the reception been so far? So far, so good. Yeah. Um, you know, people are generally very supportive, very encouraging, yeah. which is great. There's always a few uh, people that will grumble. But as always, you know, I always say I'm available to speak to anyone at any time. <laughs> if you want to grab coffee with me, the people that know me well know that I'm more than happy to sit down and have yeah. a conversation. That offer always stands uh, for anyone. And, um, you know, if, if you have something to say, you can just sit down and Come talk to me about it. I mean, it is pretty cool that this guidebook is also the first time that we've seen Lincoln Lake climbing area be uh, documented in any meaningful way, kind of. It is. And, you know, Lincoln Lake was special to me. Um, I certainly wasn't the first person to go there. A lot of people were there before. uh, But 
I feel like introducing Dave to Dave Graham to Lincoln Lake was a huge step in the development yeah. of it as an area. Wolverland. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was Wolverland. And to just watch, I feel like I've kind of come full circle watching the develop, like taking Dave there, watching him just go crazy, watching Daniel put up amazing hard problems, yeah. and then now writing the guidebook twelve years later. Dude. It's pretty amazing uh, if experience. There's ever been a bouldering area that seemed almost unmappable, I would think it'd be Lincoln Lake <laughs> because it is such a maze of boulders. But the you guys did a really good job of making it actually accessible i think to someone who's never been there before which is honestly whenever people are like oh like should i go check out lincoln i'm like yes but you should definitely go with somebody who's been before because you will spend a lot of time walking around getting lost which is kind of fun sometimes but also <laughs> if you're looking to get on stuff the yeah, guidebook's great to have it is now. an extremely complicated <laughs> area to map uh the guidebook has for almost every problem photograph map pins and written instructions so there are four you know basically speaking to four different kinds of learners and hopefully <laughs> hopefully you know that will get you to get you to the, to the right place nice um you know there's always there's always debates about the grades and um you know who did it's just the the focus of from my perspective the goal of the guidebook is to share really great ethics with the community from the ranger like I've had a ranger, a, a working relationship with a ranger at Mount Evans for ten years now, mm -hmm. and he, we met with him a couple times before the guidebook to make sure that he was okay with everything, and you know to say from his perspective, what are the things that we can do as climbers to maintain access? Um, you know, I think sometimes there's a kind of a perception that I'm the sheriff or I'm out to get people or. And I think that that literally couldn't be further from the truth. I really just want there to be indefinite access to Mount Evans. And I think the only way to really do that and take responsibility for that is by maintaining a relationship with the ranger and promoting the values yeah. that he wants promoted in the guidebook. So that's really the focus of the guidebook is not to pump it, anyone's ego or, or you know, make sure that this random V10 off in the corner was documented and that person gets that's not the point necessarily it's really to share those good ethics and share the ethics that the rangers wants to wants to convey to the community following your your instagram is always a treat in both a good and bad way because i feel like i get to see that side you're talking about where you literally just forward information like it's not like you're not setting the rule for climbers you're just like hey like i talked to the rangers they said this people are like God damn it, Jamie. <laughs> like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and and you're right, Fidi. My intention is not to get anyone in trouble. I don't care about that at all. I really am just trying to convey the information that the Rangers are conveying to me. Or if there are changes, you know, I, I feel like in some ways I, I get shot as the messenger, uh, even though it's actually, you know, intended to help everyone to let them know that, like, hey, the rules are changing or this is what's happening. Because again, ultimately, my goal, hundred percent, is to ensure that people can climb at Lincoln Lake and Mount Evans forever. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I don't, I really don't know what other way there is to do it. <laughs> like grumbling about it at the boulders doesn't seem to do much. Uh, complaining about people behind people's back doesn't seem to do much. But I do feel strongly that you know, creating that relationship with the ranger and then sharing those good ethics is a way to help promote that.
Yeah. Awesome. I like it that it's it's kind of like um, with Lincoln Lake in particular. It's kind of like this guidebook will be the democratization of that area as well. Allow people that don't have ins with, you know, the climbers that have historically been going there have been much stronger, had higher profiles, right? It's going to be nice that Johnny A and Sally B, you know, can go there with a guidebook now, know the ethics, and get on any problem they want. I love it, man. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Uh, the, you know, as an older climber, I feel a responsibility to have some sort of mentorship in my climbing. And I can't necessarily go out and go climbing with every 20-year-old and try to teach them the things that I was taught when I was 25 from a mentor, but I can mentor them in this way. And I can mentor people who haven't been to the Alpine in this way. It's it's kind of my way to, to crowdsource a, a mentorship for everyone. You know, m- maybe there are other ways to do it. Maybe it's not the best way, but I do think it is have some impact and it is a, a way that I feel great about and proud about. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right that it does open the area to other people and it's, you know, Lincoln Lake is not a secret. It's not like not at no all. one, anyone who's interested enough that they might actually be going bouldering at Lincoln Lake has seen vid- hundreds of videos. And so if there's some, it's you know, not Roy circa 2015, right? R- absolutely. Absolutely. If there's some kind of argument that, you know, uh, I'm exposing Lincoln Lake or, you know, I just, I think that's those, those kind of arguments should be targeted at people posting on Instagram, and, <laughs> which I don't think hypocrisy. is right. Right. And it's fine. You know, if they want to post on Instagram, that's totally fine. But I think that does more to promote, you know, just that Lincoln Lake is cool and I'll just go and I don't know anything and I'll just show up and throw my pad down, smash a tundra, whatever, mm-hmm. than a written kind of tome of what's, you know, what's happening at Lincoln Lake. So you've been in discussions with the Rangers and you, you mentioned that, um, you've received some new information or like all these years of this relationship has evolved a little bit, the specifically the relationship with the climbers to the environment. Yeah. So, you know, the one, one point I'll bring up is that the ranger for Lincoln Lake, uh, you know, he, he specifically doesn't want some areas included. You know, I ask him, what can I include in, in the bouldering guide to Mount Evans? And he says, you know, some of the higher up stuff at area B, area C, Area D, Area E, you know, out in the abyss, uh, the aerials, all of those areas the ranger wants to preserve as a wilderness experience. And I want to, you know, if that's what he wants, then that's what I want. And I think, you know, it's also an interesting point that, you know, what I want personally Mount Evans to be is somewhat irrelevant because what matters is what the rangers want. And so I'm willing to set aside my ego or set aside my you know, personal interest in what I think Mount Evans should be to listen to the ranger and just say the ranger has, gets to dictate, you know, how climbing is going to happen at this place. And so if they're not comfortable with having those, those other areas, I'm not going to put them in the, in the guidebook at at, at his respect, you know, out of respect for him ultimately. And yeah, because I think, you know, we want to foster that good relationship. We want to show the ranger that we care Um, you know, I think there's a idea or maybe people are just looking the other way because they don't want to see it. But when climbers behave poorly, the Rangers notice, it's not like they're not paying attention. They do notice and they do care and there, it is their job to protect the area. And if they feel like climbers are threatening that, 
I'm confident that they may take action or that they will take action if things get out of control. So to be in the good graces of the ranger, I think, is just super important. I think of it this way. You know when you're a kid and you're trying to get away with stuff and you're like, I know my mom and dad, (laughs) and they don't know. And you get a little bit older and they're like, I I literally knew every stupid stunt you ever pulled. It was just not worth my energy. (laughs) Rangers know everything that's going on. And about letting them dictate the terms, so to speak. Man, if you think you're getting an unholy shoveling of bullshit right now, imagine if you were the arbiter. If you took up that mantle and you made those choices, oh, I would not envy you. Let the ranger decide. Dave, that's a great point. You know, when I was 25, I didn't care. I didn't, I would just wanted to go climbing and I was as selfish and, you know, um, you know, my middle fingers up to the world about (laughs) no one's going to tell me what to do. And, and, you know, I understand that perspective because I came from that perspective, but as I've grown older, I've just seen it's not sustainable and it's going to, it can, it could lead to the closure of these areas. And so fine, you can act selfishly and do whatever you want to. The Rangers are taking notice and they're noticing that things are getting worse and they're not necessarily very happy about it. And have they uh, said specifically anything that they're changing for, I guess, Rocky Mountain or yeah, so I have a I have a relationship with the climbing ranger, the lead climbing ranger at Rocky Mountain National Park, and she's incredible, really really wonderful person. Her name is Sarah, and I spoke with her. Um, you know, I you know, I volunteer my time and I go and spoke I spoke with her. Um, we set up a meeting and we talked about where the climbers uh, were, kind of like how the behavior has changed over time and what the changes that we're seeing from the Rocky Mountain National Park Rangers in response to that. Yeah. And so uh, from the meeting, there were some really interesting new changes about how they're going to handle things. Uh, The first thing that that really jumped out to me is previously when they find uh, stashed pads, they they would mark them, they would tag them, they would come back the next day, and if they were still there, they would hike them down, and climbers could go and claim them in their their backcountry office with basically no penalty at all. Moving forward, the Rangers are not going to be so liberal because Thank they're God. upset. <laughs> they're upset about the behavior of the climbers, and so what's going to happen now is that when the Rangers find stash pads, they're just going to take them and they're gone. You have no opportunity to go get them back. They are gone. You know the Ranger mentioned to me that uh, maybe they were going to look for you know a nice community to donate them to or some way to you know yeah. have them be some kind of you know, have a, another use, but ultimately they are, if they find a stash pad, they are going to take it. So, you know, again, whether or not personally I agree with that, it doesn't really matter. What yeah. matters is that's what's going to happen. happen. And I'm just trying to share with the climbing community that that's what they're telling me. And they're, they're doing this. They're, they're increasing this because there are other rangers who are becoming more aggressive about climber behavior in the way that they don't, they're not happy with the way climbers are behaving and they think it's unacceptable. And that's an escalation from what we've seen, you know, in the last 20 years. Your magnanimity can only stretch so far. You know what I mean? There is a limit to what a national park should, you know, let slide. And they've been letting those pads slide for a a decade and a half. Yeah. Now they've been since they've been, 2005, basically when yeah. it was kind of started blowing up. 
Man, yeah, it that well is going to dry up eventually. Right? As it's much like, as we don't want it to happen, as much as we want to just keep looking the other way because it's easy, it's it's it 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 may well very well dry up because they're increasing their intensity of aggression towards, yeah. you know, taking those paths. And you know, it's not really my job to say what's right or wrong. I'm not here to try to do that. What I am trying to do is just convey that that's what's happening. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a good reminder that the climbing community <laughs> is not some force in the park that makes the rules, right? Like we are just a user group who essentially has no real control over the the policies of the park as we're seeing. And it's not too far-fetched to think that if the Rocky Mountain feels that climbers are disrespecting or damaging the area enough that they could just say, if they see anybody with a bat, they're like, hey, you can't go in here eventually, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how how likely that would be to happen, but the fact that there is this escalation, right, in the restriction of, hey, we're going to start taking the pads now, you know, you can't leave them behind. Right. You know, I don't want to, it's hard to get into hypotheticals, uh, but it is moving in the direction that is not favorable for climbers yeah. and that they're acknowledging that. And I think that's the significant thing uh, about this. Uh, another thing that I wanted to bring up that she brought up, which I think is helpful to share with you guys, is that we got a little airplane flying over or something. Uh <laughs> Another thing that's really helpful to uh, share with you guys is that the use of the Makita fans to create windy conditions, uh, the fan has a motor in it and Rocky Mountain National Park all for, uh, you know, for, for almost the entirety of the park is also a wilderness area. So it's a national park and it's also a wilderness area and wilderness areas have special uh, mandates, special regulations that are go kind of above and beyond uh, the normal mandate of the national park and the park Rangers have told me specifically that uh, it's not legal to use a fan in Rocky Mountain National Park. So oh, wow. you know, I see, uh, you know, Instagram, I see people are, you know, have fans, make the conditions cool. I don't know. I wasn't told that, you know, you're going to be written a ticket if they find you with a fan. But I, I was told that it is illegal to operate a fan in the park. Mm-hmm. Certainly if they find your fan stashed, which we have seen climbers stash their fans God. before, uh, they will take them <laughs> and they will be gone. So, you know, ultimately, again, I'm just just sharing just with sharing, you yeah. uh, what they're saying. And, yeah, they will take their fans. And, and they have the ability to write you a ticket if you are caught with a fan because it is yeah. a motorized uh, wow. piece of equipment. And motorized equipment is not allowed in, in a wilderness area. I'm curious if that's going to be one of those rules like we that we'll see really being enforced or not really. Because to me, it almost feels, oh, yeah, I don't know. It was a surprise to me. Like yeah. I did not expect that. I don't own a fan myself and I maybe I'm old school for not thinking or something that I, you know, my first thought isn't go grab a fan when I go bouldering, but yeah. I totally realize that that's where people are at and I also understand that like, you know, the Rangers are they seem serious about this stuff. And so, you know, I think it's important to get the word out. I I also want to add that, you know, the Ranger that I spoke with, uh, you know, she's a climber. She knows what's going on. She knows who the professional climbers are. She recognizes when they don't carry pads. <laughs> um, she recognizes that other people are looking at them as well. Yeah. And there's even been talk of uh, reaching out to sponsors about, hey, your athlete was yeah. in, in Rocky Mountain National Park bouldering, was not carrying a pad, you know, like from the Rangers that they mm-hmm. they would consider 
you know, reaching out maybe to a sponsor. So it is again, an escalation, yeah, it's of, escalating, yeah. you know, and it's a response to the increased activity, you know, more people know. And again, I, I seriously would push back on the idea that the, the park guidebook, uh, in some way increases the, you know, maybe a few more people go because of the guidebook exists, but I think what's really driving that is Instagram and YouTube and I mean, Facebook. Instagram and is a guidebook. Eight A, right. right? Mountain Project. It's on Mountain Project as well. And also, so. the climbing population in the last ten years has probably tripled. Right. How many more gyms, Dave, have you and I seen in the Front Range of Colorado since we started climbing here in two thousand one or whatever? It's like there were like three gyms. It was Six, like the Rock Club. Six hundred percent, maybe. Right. Right. And we could use six more. Right. You know, every gym out. is, every gym is totally packed. And so again, yeah. yeah, you know, my intention is to talk to the ranger, find out those good ethics and share them with the community at large and try to instill it. You know, it feels like a one man fight often. Um, I'm the only <laughs> one that's out there doing it, but, uh, you know, it is my way to give back. And that is, that is really important to me. You know, to, to look at this from, uh, let's say, I'm some super hardcore boulder, loves going to upper, upper, upper. From their perspective, I wonder if they kind of think, well, if we're not allowed to stash pads, then we can't even climb there anyways because it's impossible <laughs> to take pads up there if it's just me. So, like, what's really the loss here? So I'm going to continue to, like, I'm, I, I, I either stash pads and get to keep climbing or... I just don't climb up there. So either way. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Or get fitter. <laughs> I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. This not. is, this is, this is a, this Dave, is a, pers- Dave, don't get ahead of yourself. Dave. Come on. I, this Come is on. not me. This is not me. I'm just trying to forward the, cause I've heard these perspectives from a lot of people. Petey, I like, feel like you have your ear to the ground uh, where people will speak freely around you where they maybe are, I don't know if they're afraid is the right word, but they won't speak for, as freely around me. Yeah. Do share. Maybe. Do share. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. You know, so it seems to me that this is a, there isn't a cl- clean solution that will stop or make climbers behave better. Right. I feel like the people who want to climb up there, they will, to them, that's the only option. Right. Is you have to stash pads. You right. can't you can't like realistically carry six pads up there. Um, unless you somehow incredibly coordinate. <laughs> and I, mean, I don't know. If I you just... think if you think three people going bouldering, which is totally normal, and they yeah. each carry two pads, which I'm forty four years old, it's not hard yeah. to carry two pads. What a champ. If you're twenty five years old, it shouldn't be a problem. And so that's six pads. I mean yeah. you know. It, it, I I I think it's it's crazy that that they don't see like just slogging pads in and coordinating a group is an impossible mission. I mean, if they climb in the winds ever, they're going to have to do the same thing so that they're never going to climb in the winds. They're never going to climb any place where they, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I'd you be know, okay with that. Like, <laughs> you know, Dave, to your point, like, uh, you know, any, like, you know, I can maybe personally grumble about whatever, but it doesn't really, it's not really that important. What's important again is just that, Hey, the Rangers are noticing bad behavior. Um, and they're increasing their pushback against it. And when you see that, you say, well, what's the next step? What is, where is this going? Are they, you know, and 
you know, to speak about kind of a really relevant issue, there was the huge landslide in Chaos Canyon. You know, I, I bouldered it at the base of those, at that base of that landslide for 10 years. And no one went up there, no one cared. And suddenly the park just says, hey, the whole, not just the landslide area, because, yeah. um, you know, most of, the, most of the landslide, you know, maybe 10 boulders were impacted uh, from what I understand. Most of Upper Chaos was not impacted directly by the landslide, but the, they just closed it down one day, just boom. Upper chaos is closed and they, and, and, you know, just beyond what I'm trying to convey here, they are talking about patrolling that and making sure that people aren't going into upper chaos. So there will be Rangers there in theory, every day, there will be a, some form of authority figure from Rocky mountain national park at either Emerald Lake or chaos Canyon. Um, and they're going to be patrolling that. So in one fell swoop, they just closed lower up, excuse me, in one fell swoop, they closed upper chaos and, it's my understanding too, uh, just to get some information out. Freshly squeezed is still open. Uh, basically, the perimeter around the lake is open, but anything above that is is mm. is closed, and it's closed indefinitely. So, I mean, they may say it's closed forever. You know, I I don't know what's going to happen. They didn't have a definitive answer when I asked about that. It's just it's just going to be closed, and so that would be that would strike me as an overreach and. Feedy, I know you're playing devil's advocate right there. I wasn't attacking you. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, I know. It's good. You what, should. Yeah, it's it's that's what gets this conversation going. But I wanted to just super briefly, like when we're talking about that, take a step back. And, you know, we haven't talked about this much for a long time. It seems like this is an irrelevant topic almost because this is a topic that we thought we were talking about, trying to solve 10 years ago. <laughs> yes. But what, you know, what is the impact of stashed pads and why is it such a concern for the rangers yeah that's a great question dave so number one uh again rocky mountain national park is a wilderness area and so you are not allowed to basically leave something there overnight and so that regardless of again what you think about the rule personally if you think it's ridiculous if you think it's stupid if you think it's an overreach it is the rule and if we want to boulder there then that's in violation of the rule by leaving the pad there. And so simply because it's in violation of the rule, it's, you know, and I know people would push back and say, well, this is stupid. This is just a dumb rule. It may be, but it is the rule. And I think if you're going to willingly break it, then we're going to, we're going to be facing consequences. Uh, additionally, the pads get chewed up by marmots. They don't get cleaned out. People don't go up at the end of the year, even though they yeah. say they do, they don't. It's Those like, pads are like, fro yeah. I always use the analogy of like a frozen dead body on yeah. Everest. Like an arm, they really one strap become, is sticking out of the ice. And they become zombie pads. <laughs> I mean, that is that is maybe of all the things to me the most egregious is just the disgusting garbage essentially that's produced by people leaving their pads behind. Because yeah, everyone has that intention. Like, no, I'll, I'll definitely go get it. And, then, and they and definitely. Then the, and then they're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like four shitty pads i just Pets and it's october three it's, more next year and it kind of snowed and i'm just not gonna hike it's like there. the poop bags that dog owners leave at the i mean i'm a dog owner you know yeah. but like they put them down like i'll get this on my way out right and then yeah and even it, it, <laughs> even with your best intentions, you sometimes forget. you forget <laughs> and those desiccated pads we've all seen uh, them it is just like disgusting you're like yeah. man this is a national park, and there's just this strewn apart, desiccated, gross ass zombie pad. I just, yeah. Do the do the rangers ever seem like they'd be open to a 
some other kind of solution to this? That is a great question. Like a pad and, cabin? Yeah. yeah for that's, real. <laughs> that's an amazing question. And clearly, you know, people have kicked around the ideas of a, like a bear box or a lock box that we could put them in. The Rangers don't seem interested in any of that. And mm-hmm. I think part of that is it's if you're just climbing, you think, well, we could just, you know, we could just hike up a lock box in one day and that'd be fine. But that's not how the national park works. The national park is a million degrees of bureaucracy. Yeah. A million things have to happen. They have a budget. You know, is this going to be part of the budget? Are we going to spend $10,000 on this really small, ultimately small user group yeah. that's causing trouble? You know, it, yeah, it may, it's, easier, it may, it's easier to just squash it. <laughs> right. And I, no one has said anything like this to me, but I'm just kind of putting it together as to how these, I know how, you know, in some ways how these parks are run and, and the, the kinds of things that they have to, that they're up against. And so the idea that we could, you know, even if we did it voluntarily, I think it's just not a possibility. There's too many regulations and it may also run into the wilderness regulation that the wilderness is intended to be set aside for, uh, you know, not uh, appearing as though man has any impact. There yeah. is a logical argument there, though. If you look at, <clears throat> like, the valley, people leaving fixed lines up for days and days and days, there is literally no difference between leaving fixed lines on a wall and leaving a pad in the backcountry. So there is a super logical argument that boulders could say, we are being targeted and other user groups are not. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You know, I think there's some truth to that for sure. I know that climbers in general are not great about taking care of their stuff. I do think the pads <laughs> get ripped apart. You know, the, those pieces just go everywhere. The foam is not healthy for the marmots and the animals that live up there. And yeah, I mean, I, you know, I can't also really argue about what goes on in Yosemite or how trad climbers are treated on the diamond. That's not. That's beyond my my scope. My scope is really focusing yeah. on yeah. the bouldering I, in in Rocky Mountain yeah. National Park. And I think feel like that really just reiterates the point that at the end of the day, there are organizations in charge of these areas that make the rules. You know, and we kind of are just um, have to follow them because yeah, you can go to like uh, every area has its own ethic about um, pad pad stashing or. Because like some places I know it's totally fine that like people do it, and there's not a problem because there's no governing body mm. that's regulating the area potentially or right, right. And you know those those kind of arguments that are presented like, hey, um, you know maybe oh Jamie, I saw you stash a pad in <laughs> Wyoming or something. That's not relevant to Rocky Mountain National Park, and it's not relevant to Rocky Mountain National Park because, um, I mean, for a couple reasons. Number one. Uh, Rocky Mountain National Park has its own specific set of rules and regulations, and it is managed by climbing rangers, specific climbing, specific rangers, and this is what they are asking. That's not what's happening in Wyoming. Totally different scenario and ultimately not relevant to to what the situation here is in the park. Mm, And then I would also say, too, that, you know, I stashed my pad when I was younger. Uh, I don't hide the fact that I did that, you know, things were different. And my understanding of how pad sashing has changed is changed dramatically over time. And so I think that, you know, maybe trying to call me a hypocrite or something, um, you know, maybe it appears to outwardly that I am being hypocritical because I did stash a pad when I was younger, but you know, I'm not in that place anymore. And that's, you know, I think that ultimately working with the Rangers is the way forward. And that's what I'm trying to 
push for 100%. Are yeah. you advocate, advocating personal <laughs> growth, Jerry? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy Maybe. to me that people can't let that go. Like even on your like to go back to your Instagram, people are like, Jamie's preaching about us past action, but all his sentence he did on his stashed pads. I'm Dose Boy, by the way. He's just <laughs> stashed pads. It's like yes, but he doesn't do that anymore because things have changed. I mean, I would love to live in a world where people are forgiven or people are allowed to you know be introspective. People are allowed to grow, uh, change their perspectives on things mature that's stupid <laughs> that's not america um yeah and you know there have been some kind of hateful comments on instagram you know i'm i'm happy to again i'm i'm more than happy to meet up with anyone at any time have coffee um i have already met up with some people personally and it was great you know i love talking to people and i think there's nothing that's per, you know part of the reason we wanted to do this podcast was just to you know, have a forum where we could have a conversation about it because that's really what I want to have as a conversation. Yeah. T- tapping away ridiculous and responding to comments oh, on Instagram is just God. so unproductive. It's so unproductive. And, you know, anyone that's attacking me personally is just, I don't, I just, I feel like I don't have time for it or I just don't <laughs> want to be, get it wrapped up. It, it, liter- it does nothing. It does nothing. For anybody to be no. uh, hostile towards Jamie Emerson <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> It yeah. Um, I mean, if you approach me at any time, if you saw me at a climbing area or you sent me a message, I think you, I'd be more than happy to sit down. I'd, I'd buy you dinner. Let's it's go. So fr- you it's, it's a very frustrating <laughs> thing for me to see when it happens because I I know you personally and I mm-hmm. know how it's, how easy it is to talk to you about this kind of stuff and how it doesn't have to be this weird conflict right. of like it, it can. Like you're not even at the, like, you're not even, yeah, you're not even the villain here. <laughs> like, so, oh, the yeah, mes- you know, <clears throat> the messenger always is the de facto murdered. Villain. Yeah, you know, and and you know that's fine. I'm willing to accept that. Uh, I because I do believe that it is important. You know, I the first year I bouldered in the park was 2001. I've been bouldering there ever since. I love it. I want to boulder there forever, and I want it to be basically preserved forever that people can go bouldering there. And I, if you have a better way to make that happen, I'm all ears. I would love to hear it. I'm doing the best that I can. And, you know, I, I, like you said, Vidi, I don't think personal attacks or kind of yelling at someone does much of anything, but if you think you have a solution that's better, I will happily introduce you to the Rangers. You know, I have a full-time job. I work, it takes up a lot of time. I don't always have time to do everything, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm more than happy yeah. to facilitate that all is, of those conversations. That is another misconception is that all Jamie doesn't have a full-time job, that he's just some boulderer lurking, just making life hard for the new generation of boulderers, yeah. just trying to <laughs> shut them down. Not at all. Cramp Not their style, all. even though he did all these things too. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I work I work at a corp. you know. I'm, it's sad that that's so I have true. a corporate job. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's scary. It's so true. Um, but ultimately, like I said, it's not really, you know, while those things can be little hiccups or, or annoyances or something, it's ultimately not my focus. And my focus is always on yeah. just maintaining that relationship with the Rangers um, and and just making sure that, you know, when they do things like close up or chaos, which is in effect right now, that 
you know, that's not a, a stepping stone to close Chaos yeah. Canyon completely. Yes. This um, should definitely be a little bit of a couple of warning bells going off for people who love Rocky Mountain climbing there. You know, and I, he- I heard, I, you know, I get messages from people, uh, well-intended people, and that was like, you know, three days after the closure, there were climbers up in the closed area in Upper Chaos. <laughs> and, you know, again, I'm not here to stop people or try to, you know, write them a ticket or get them in trouble, but it does undermine what we're, you know, what we're trying to do. And, you know, all I can do is try to keep people informed and, you know, let them know what's going on. Yeah. You you have no purview over that. I mean, at the end of the day, 98% of boulders who recreate in the park want the exact same thing. Just need to take a, a deep breath. And instead of pissing and moaning, spend five minutes thinking about a solution. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then let's ta- it, let's talk about that solution. Let's spitball. Right. Because we all want the same thing. 98%. There's 2% who are just ca- agents of chaos. Scorch, scorchers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Scorchers. They're, They're closing it anyways. <laughs> as long as I send everything, I don't care. Um, yeah, we're all on the same team here. We all want the same things. Yeah. Another, just I, as I think of these things, yeah. w- you know, the landing building um, you know, the Rangers have said if there's, you know, a few rocks moved around uh, to, you know, make the landing okay, that's not the end of the world. Uh, if there's a gigantic deck built, uh, that is a structure. And again, that goes against the, uh, the you know, the wilderness ethic that is laid out by the park. And so, um, and, and to that point, an even more subtle point is boulders within 50 yards of the road are actually not part of the wilderness area. They are still part of the national park, but yeah. they're not part of the wilderness area. And so, um, boulders like Veritas, yeah, you know, maybe not as strictly regulated as, so for example, you could have a fan at Veritas yeah. and be within the regulations because there's not a motorized, um, regulation about fans at the Veritas boulder. So, uh, does, a couple boulders in Endo Valley. Yeah. I exactly. know you can, you can have a dog within 50 feet of the road, right? In- that I don't know about. That would be, <laughs> that would be, that's a good question. I don't yeah. know about that. Um, certainly not in the. Cascade and Emerald Lake kind of areas or Marine Park, but yeah, I, I, th- I think it's like fifty feet from a road. But I have no idea. Th- that's what I seem to remember. All, all I know for sure is that fifty feet from the road is national park and not wilderness area. And so a boulder like Veritas, which literally sits off the road, is not part of the wilderness area. And so it doesn't have those same regulations in regards to the fan. So if you have a fan at Veritas, totally fine. I'm just envisioning like 60 dudes with fans of Veritas. <laughs> I know. An industrial, industrial <laughs> veritable hurricane up here, bro. Um, Jamie, will you tell the story of your first time going to Rocky Mountain? Yeah. I really, um, I really enjoy this story. And I'm not sure which, which exactly. Well, essentially like, and like you, how you met also met Dave Graham for the first time. Yeah. So when I was, I was in Michigan, uh, you know, just a climber excited. Uh, there was no real internet, uh, or very little internet. You couldn't really, there weren't videos online yeah. really. And I caught wind of that. There was bouldering in Rocky Mountain National Park. And I had visited the park as a kid, uh, with my family and, you know, I thought it was stunningly beautiful and incredible. And I just couldn't believe that this thing that I love so much bouldering, you could actually go to the park and into the mountains and boulder up there. That seemed like the the most amazing thing to me. And so I didn't know anything besides I had a name, Lake Hayaha, and that Dave Graham had, had put up some problems there. And so I, you know, I had my map, I bought a plane ticket, I flew out. How old were you at this time? uh, 20 
three, maybe. Cool. I don't know. Early, early, early twenties. Bought a ticket. Didn't know anything. Just hiked up to Lake Hiaha and started walking around looking for, you know, a- anything that resembled a boulder problem. And uh, the first thing I saw was European human being. And I actually kind of mimicked the beta. And I was like, oh, five move V12 from what I had read on uh-huh. newenglandbouldering.com. And I was like, this must be European human being. This looks so hard. Sick. And then I walked over to Bush Pilot and uh, front lane range legend Will O'Mare was there trying Bush Pilot. And he was there with Rick Vitaka. And yeah, I that day they showed me around a little bit. And then I ran into Dave Graham. And that was the first day I met him. He was there with Chad. Jason Kale was there. Sick. And um, yeah, I just, I couldn't believe, I felt like, uh, you know, this whole new world of alpine bouldering was opened up to me because historically bouldering was done in places like Fontainebleau or Waco, Flagstaff Mountain, Morrison, and it wasn't done up in the mountains. Yeah. And that just hooked me. I mean, it was a reason literally why I moved to Colorado because I thought, you know, there seems like there's okay bouldering in the winter and there's incredible bouldering in the summer. What a like fantastical boulders journey. Just you hear of this place <laughs> and then you just like take a, ri- I'm taking a chance, I'm mom. I'm taking I'm, a chance. I'm buying this ticket. <laughs> you have no idea where you're going. And then you just like run into Dave Graham and. Yeah, the rest is history. The rest is history, and I was <laughs> yeah, I was hooked, and I you know I climbed there a lot, and I I really loved my time in the park. It's a beautiful place, and yeah, I've had really amazing, beautiful memories there with awesome people, and it's it's an incredible place, and you know I think that is at the heart of why I want to you know protect it because it is such an amazing place, and it does offer those opportunities for kind of those special moments. That was such, <clears throat> I don't want to get off track too much, but that was such a special time from like 2002 to 2012, that decade. I remember working at a little core climbing shop in mm-hmm. Denver and just in around 2003 hearing whispers of the alpine bouldering that was being developed. And then when Wolverine land, you know, landed uh, you know, there was no Instagram to speak of, really. There was a little bit, but it's kind of floating around Facebook and yeah. floating around. It was so exciting, man. It was just a whole new world unfurled before us. That That is a magical moment when there are those whispers of something that could be good and totally. you're not sure what you're going into. And for me, personally, that's kind of what I'm always seeking in climbing. But just, you know, going to some area that you know, maybe you've heard about it and, uh, you know, maybe you saw a picture at the time, a blurry picture or, you know, kind of a one angle of one thing that was like, oh, that rock looks cool. There's waves in it or those tiger stripes or, and then you go and it's more amazing than you could have possibly imagined. I couldn't dream up Chaos Canyon if I had never seen it, uh, that there would be that kind of a talus field there. And there it is. You know, it's it's really, really a special thing. And, you know, there aren't really other talus fields like that in the park. I've spent a lot of time looking, and it's a really unique place. And, yeah, it's just, it's an amazing place. I do want to also speak about, uh, kind of go back to the ethics thing. There is one other thing that we haven't discussed that is important, <gasps> is music. <laughs> which oh, is you're a, supposed to play stru- it at a as louder as possible, volume yeah. nowadays, I that's right. We yeah, heard, the marmots like it. We read yeah. the same article. Yeah, the wildlife's digging the music. Little right? Uzi Vert is what the marmots <laughs> like the most. I think. Oh my gosh! And was, the baby. Was that what you were singing earlier? <laughs> no. 
Uh, so the music, yeah, the music is obviously a polarizing thing. Um, yeah. Again, we're we're going to go back to the deferring to the wilderness rules and regulations of the wilderness yes. area, and those state that noise made by you know speakers or whatnot should not exceed fifty. I think it's fifty-five yeah. decibels or sixty decibels, which is basically the same level as a conversation. Yeah. So if you are out there playing music and um, you know it's louder than a than a conversation, that's it's way too loud. And you know the Rangers, you know, may or may not write tickets for that. Uh, they haven't said sp- again specifically. I you know I don't think they necessarily want to go after people. But yeah. if the if the rule breaking is so egregious, they're kind of forced into doing their jobs. This yeah, I will I will also say of all the things that kind of climbers are a part of, I do think this one is one that the general population also uh, contributes to. Just general, you know, like if anytime you're on a hike in a park, there's always like one person who walks by you. Right. Who's got like their little strap-on Bluetooth God, I fucking hate it, man. I'm just not going to lie. So It's happened to me. I've I've written articles about this, for God's sake. It's so annoying, man. It's like not why we got into climbing to listen to somebody else's music. You know, the thing is, too, is that... Go to fucking Morrison. Go to the Black Hole. You can listen to music. Yeah, totally. Go to the gym. You can listen to as much music. Totally. You know, ironically, Dave, there's a... Maybe it's not ironically, but there is actually a really easy solution to this. You know, we don't have an easy solution to stashing pads, there is a super easy yeah. solution oh, that music. Just oh. put your headphones in. <laughs> and the Rangers Bluetooth. have advocated that. You get <laughs> Apple makes amazing AirPods. <laughs> They're incredible works of technology, right? And you can just put We're wearing can, them right now. And I, I don't or anyone else has to listen to your music. It, it it also interrupts, you know, things like mating calls for animals. And we certainly want to see the animals procreate and boulders. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so it's just it is it is a real thing, and um, you know part of the preservation of Rocky Mountain National Park is not just the rocks and the lakes and the scene scenery and the animals, but also the soundscapes. You know, there are people who do enjoy going to the national parks because we live in a city and it's crazy, and they yeah. actually can find peace and quiet. And you know, as much as you may want to play your music out loud, there may be other people who want it who go to the park and seek it specifically for those natural sounds. I mean, I'm certainly one of those people. It's a wildlife <laughs> experience, yeah. right? And we, you know, you can say that the parks are overrun, which they certainly are, but mm-hmm. that's no excuse to ruin other people's wildlife experience. I don't mean to say ruin. It's not like people are out there trying to ruin experiences, <laughs> but maybe to be more mindful about the people who are trying to recreate around you, whether that be climbers or hikers or backpackers or birders you know, who are listening for calls. It's just about respecting, you know, respecting your environment and also reading the fucking room. So, (laughs) yeah, a a couple points on that, Dave, which I think are important, is that um, the the idea that we're not entitled to do whatever we want. We're not. I mean, we can't, the park is not set up for you and you alone to climb your project. It is not a climbing gym. It is not a place where, you know, people go in the climbing gym, they don't brush their holds, they just attack, 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 and then they walk away. That is not how climbing really should be done in Rocky Mountain National Park. And now, again, I'm not trying to take away someone's freedom or take away someone's ability to do what they want to, but it is, I want to just 
stand on that point that it is not a climbing gym. It is a different entity entirely. Although it looks similar, it is a very different thing. And so, you know, when you leave the climbing area, take a look around, clean up some trash, clean off your tick marks. We can, you know, if it's the end of the day, it's okay to put a little water on the hold and wash the hold and clean it off, uh, especially in the on the nice, which is so hard. And, you know, just maybe not spread your stuff out in the widest possible circle, you know? Uh, just these are all small things that you can do. Um, they're all talked about in the guidebook extensively. Uh, like I said, that that was that is a super important part of the guidebook to convey those messages that bouldering in the park and bouldering at Mount Evans are not a climbing gym. And, and also, if you if you want to be a leader or a mentor in the climbing community and you employ Instagram in other ways, <clears throat> take some shots of picking up trash. I I remember James Lucas did that like five years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah, they cleaned was, up a bunch of stuff. It on was trail. so powerful, yeah. and kind of I know so many people that do it, but I'm like, oh my god, he's he's highlighting it. He's curating his Instagram, not around shredding the gnar, but cleaning up trash. You know, take a moment to advocate if right. you want to be a leader. Right. We'd love to see you know some professional climbers step up and and you know. You are constantly talking about the climbs that you've done and your training and all that stuff, which is great. You know, yeah. you, you can you can do whatever you want to, but it would be awesome. I think you used the word sprinkle in a little advocacy oh, yeah. at, at our last podcast. That idea just to share that, hey, I'm up here and I cleaned up my trash or, hey, I'm up here. This is how we're doing it. Mm-hmm. You do have that ability to affect younger climbers. You see how influential, you know, climbers who were 15 when I was 30 are now 30 and you know, they're starting to move into that older guard and they have the huge influence over those those now 15-year-old climbers. And if they're advocating for those kind of good ethics, that's so powerful. And you have a huge platform to do so. It falls in line with leave no trace ethics. It's a win. It's It could be a win-win for people with big social platforms. And it's what mentorship looks like today for better. Well, I mean, you know, for worse, but that's, that's we have a huge population now and mentorship has to look, different but that that's how it can look that's an amazing point dave that the mentorship that was done when i was 20 was you know a 45 year old climber putting his arm around me and saying hey we're gonna go try and climb some scary trad routes and i'm gonna teach you how climbing works and i'm gonna look at you in a funny way when you do something weird that is not the paradigm that we exist in anymore Uh, we exist in a social media world and you know i'm trying to use a social media platform to advocate for that stuff and these other professional athletes have gigantic platforms to advocate for that stuff too. And it'd be great. You know, if they did, it'd be awesome. Yeah. Mentorship isn't dead because mentors suddenly became thoughtless jerks. Mentorship is gone because our community is so much bigger. Mm -hmm. You know, it's gym based now. Mentorship looks different. So there's nobody to blame for it. It's just a changed landscape. So let's employ the tools. If you consider yourself a leader in your climbing community, employ the tools that you can. And that includes promoting uh, rubbish removal on Instagram. One click, boom, done. Then show the NAR for the next two months. And Yeah, you know. 100%. It's one, it's one post. Yeah, totally. It's not, not a whole lot. Rubbish removal. Rubbish removal. Say say it again. Da- Dave, Dave, did I think I was going to be talking about stash pads in 2002 when stash pads probably first became like an issue or something? Dude, it's, we, <laughs> 20 uh, years later, we're still I talking about I feel like I've this. done 
50 interviews <laughs> right about stash pads in the years i've been behind a microphone and it but you know it just continues to be uh I, it's just it's a little bit about entitlement it's a little bit about i think it's kind of a, a mythical um feeling of you know how climbers are rebels i don't mm-hmm. think that ever really existed but it kind <laughs> the the feeling that people think they're um, counterculture by climbing. So there's a lot of things working against, you know, stepping down on pad or, or, you know, halting pad stashing. Right. And there's, you know, there's no way to control a population of people. We can't, I'm not trying to control anybody, but man, if they're going to start removing stash pads, you know, boy, I'll I'll be, my hands will be folded behind my back with a small (laughs) grin on my face. (laughs) You know, I w- that may I w- be terrible. I would say that, um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not like you said. I'm not here to try to crack down on people. I know how Instagram works. I know that I have the ability to call people out. People send me private messages all the time saying, "I saw this specific person do this thing. That's not great." I don't call them out. I'm not interested in calling out individual people. I know that people are going to break the rules. I know that people don't care. I know that people are going to act selfishly. I'm not necessarily trying to, um, you know, make them personally feel bad. I am trying to call out bad behavior. And I am trying to call out like, hey, this is behavior that the Rangers don't like. And I want to focus my, and, you know, maybe I don't do it perfectly all the time, but I am, again, one person. And I'm ultimately just trying to call out that that specific actions, the actions of littering, the actions of trash, the actions of playing music out loud and not necessarily pick on someone. Well, yeah, you're, at all. you don't usually like when you say call, you don't usually target an individual, right? Like yeah, in, you're always like, you're, I understand how Instagram works that you can tag someone. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't do that. I, yeah. you know, I, I make in a specific attempt not to yeah. do that. Now, sometimes people draw me in <laughs> and try to, you know, basically call me out and say, oh, I'm the one who's being a jerk and whatever. Yeah. Okay. And, <laughs> we have to talk about that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> because, okay. Whew. Do you, do you want to summarize the the music no, drama? I think, that you, was... I think you should. Phoebe. Okay. I'll try to, but essentially <laughs> somebody tagged Jamie and was like, I saw, I heard so-and-so was playing music. And Jamie, without tagging anybody, just said, yeah, playing music, it goes against the policies of Rocky Mountain National Park. Mm-hmm. It's not like something you should do. And it wasn't even like a big face, a big post. It wasn't some call out thing. It was just a, yeah, it was a response to somebody tagging Jamie. And Jamie was like, yeah, this is, this shouldn't happen. And the person <laughs> who was <laughs> playing the music freaked out and made this huge <laughs> post that was like, Jamie Emerson is calling me out he didn't and and he owes me an apology because he's like shitting on my generation of climbers <laughs> and, and jamie was like i don't know you need to help me out here because you know the, the details but it, that was kind of the gist of it was that, that all was, of a sudden it right. was jamie you're the worst <laughs> how dare you say that there's this rule i can't play music and make me feel stupid about it you know it's not, it is, you know, it's even written in the, in the doctrine of the park that it is your responsibility to know the rules. Yes. I'm not your mother. I'm not your father. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm not the sheriff. I'm not trying to come down on anyone. All I'm trying to do is advocate for good behavior. And, 
you know, that makes it difficult when, you know, yeah, I'm saying like, hey, this is a behavior that's, you know, we're really trying to step away from. And then, you know, it's it, it's not really about me. And I know that people want to think that it that I'm trying to make it about me, but I'm I'm really not. I'm really trying to just advocate for this good behavior and and to say that, hey, you know, this is maybe something you weren't aware of because yeah. maybe you didn't read all the rules of the park, but I've done my best to try to read the rules and to try to understand them and try to convey them to people. And so to share that, to say, Hey, you know, Hey, maybe we shouldn't be playing music out loud and posting you know, it on Instagram. You know, I know, years. again, I know how to tag people and I can call people out, but I don't. <laughs> and, you know, ultimately it's really about people taking responsibility to know when they visit the park to yes, know, the rules, know the rules, know the regulations and, and know how you can, you know, we don't have to do the minimum either. We can go above and beyond <laughs> the absolute bare minimum. That That is also a choice that we have to make. And, you know, it, like I said, it'd be great to see some of the leaders in the sport um, make those choices. I can't control them. I'm just one person washed up old Jamie. But what was really frustrating about that whole experience too was I was outside with a group of people and that story came up and they're like, Jamie back at it again, just starting shit. I was like, no, no, this is like, this was totally not Jamie's fault. Like, look at this, look at this track, this history here. Jamie pretty much did nothing. And this person freaked out and was a big, I mean, in their defense, they're probably like actually 16 years old, but they were also really immature how did i mean the, how did that conversation resolve itself i don't i don't like, even know that it they, did it did they, they were like i've apologized so now you have to apologize to me and jamie's like i don't know what i am supposed to apologize for like i'm not going to apologize for advocating good ethics to an area that i've and that like, i care about and it's have worked. your fault i didn't know this was a rule <laughs> so you can't be and since i didn't know you can't be you can't call me out so apologize. Yeah. And it was just like, actually, this is. That defense works in court all the time. <laughs> I didn't know. I had no <laughs> idea you weren't supposed to stab an elderly mm-hmm. woman in the supermarket. So therefore, I cannot be guilty. I can't be held accountable be for held this accountable. crime. Yeah. We, you know, we are. I, I, I get it. You know, I was 20. I didn't care. I like was mm-hmm. into punk rock. I middle fingers to everyone. And <laughs> So I understand. I really want. I do. I want to see that Jamie come back out. No, you don't. I know yeah. it'd be a lot cooler if you're still just no, no. Start ha- let's start tagging people. Start. I want the the direct callouts, Jamie. No more, <laughs> no more holding back. They want the sheriff, dude. I, Give them the fucking sheriff, man. <laughs> That's right, dude. Put that badge back on your vest, Jamie. I'm not, <laughs> it's not happening. It's never happening. The sheriff. I said the sheriff died in a cubicle four years ago. <laughs> Jamie, do you think? How much ownership do you take over, like, the fact that maybe there was a dark time where Jamie Emerson was directly tagging people and calling them out, and uh, that where did, like where did the where did the sheriff come from? You know, where's that? Oh boy, that's was it a, just a that's an old story? A twisted mythology of the same situations? No, I was more aggressive. Uh, you know, <laughs> I felt, you know, I I was entitled. You know, uh, I was probably self-absorbed and consumed with climbing in an unhealthy way. And, um, you know, I have strong opinions. I'm not afraid to share those opinions. Anyone that knows me knows that. And yeah, I just, you know, 
I think maybe ultimately it was coming from a similar place, mm -hmm. but uh, that place has just matured. And, yeah. And, you know, I used to say on, on the old blog there that um, when people get riled up, and this is this could have been directed at myself, um, you know, I fully acknowledge that. But when you feel emotionally riled up and fired up about something, you probably have some kind of a point buried in there somewhere, yeah. even if it's misguided, even if yeah. it's like directed at someone else or, you know, even we look at these people who are, you know, these crazy Trump supporters who are, it's misguided, but deep down there is some legitimate, you know, my most empathetic self sees that deep down there is some legitimate grievance that they have. Sure. They're just not able to articulate it very well. And I've worked extremely hard uh, to try to say that like, oh, I do have these, uh, you know, strong emotions about this, but how can I like actually productively articulate yes. them instead of, you know, it doesn't do much good to call people out. It does, I think, do good to advocate for proper ethics. I mean, I love that you're able to reflect on that well, and be like, yeah, there were, I definitely was. I mean, I was uh, pretty you know, I've matured a lot. Since I have. I, was I remember those times. Pretty, I can speak to what I saw a little bit. Yeah, please. I'm not, I mean, I so, was, yeah, go ahead. Dude. The problem is, it. is that I, kind of knew you for most of that time mm -hmm. or at least at the in the height of the sheriff years mm -hmm. how you were much more brazen and confrontational and calling out bad behavior you would name names sometimes mm -hmm. and you'd get down and dirty in the fight <laughs> so it, it i knew because I knew you that it was coming from the exact same place coming up from today. But uh, the way in which you employed your voice was a little bit more aggressive. But Jesus, isn't that the definition of youth? Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> it's interesting you bring that up, Dave. That's a soup. That's a hundred percent dead accurate. I think. And, you know, I would think at the time, um, you know, I have a voice and I am as a writer, I have a voice and how important is it to me to, you know, be diplomatic and how important is it to me to kind of drive home a, something that I believe in? It's a big question. And when I was, when I was young, you know, I was more idealistic and I really just leaned in hard to driving home those points and not back. I felt like, you know, as I think many people do when they're young, uh, not backing down from, you know, this is what I feel. I'm, I feel strongly about it and I'm willing to put myself out there and stand up for what I believe in. And I think I still in some ways feel that way. I just want to do it in a kinder, more empathetic, more diplomatic way that is more inclusive. Um, you know, I know that people may, may not hear that, but that is ultimately my intention. And I think that was my intention. I just, it was mm -hmm. a little... A little skewed by youthful exuberance, maybe? I don't know. I totally agree, man. Um, I mean, it was also entertaining. There was a whole entertainment value to that whole oh, yeah. that whole time in Colorado. It was so drama-oriented with new areas popping up, and nobody knew the rules, and it was a wild west. And it was um, the, the difference between the the pro or the badass climber and the normie climber was so drastic. Yeah. And today all of that is muddled and skewed. You have 10 year olds climbing V12 the who are in 10 years are going to be like pole vaulters at, 
you know, Nebraska. They're going to be Olympic again. champions too, you know, yeah. like, with a whole nother thing. It was just like, an entirely different time right? when it was kind of like, it, it was, let's just say it, it was a little bit more fun to be confrontational back then because it was the Wild West, it man. Was the Wild it was West. just craziness. It was, it was a little more uh, rogue, <laughs> shall we say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think that we talked about it a little bit but you definitely received some pretty hostile like you don't really talk about it that much on your instagram you kind of like mentioned like once or twice like hey mm-hmm. i had to like block somebody but you have received some really honestly some of the nastiest um messages i've ever seen from like a it just sucks cuz knowing that it's from a a climbing community member mm-hmm. and they they're the stuff like I almost want you to to bring out your phone and read some of the stuff because it is so heinous. And the way that you respond to it, just like, I'm like, man, how can you... Because essentially this guy is saying some of the most vile stuff you could say to somebody. And Jamie's like, hey, like, I would love to have a conversation about this. <laughs> like, why don't we like touch base? Like, I, I want to hear what you're saying, but really you're just like, have all these insults. And the person's like, you're Go little... digs even deeper into yeah. this. Like, no, the only solution to this is to become more toxic, as toxic as possible. LMFAO. Uh. <laughs> I mean, you know, I have, you know, just to be blunt, I have been in, in therapy for, you know, a couple of years and I just see those toxic behavioral patterns and it's, you know, I can't, I can't get sucked into that. And I have to establish boundaries with people who are, toxic and hateful and it, it's not okay i mean my you know i'm not immune to you know people being mean and, and and awful and uh you know i'm a person and i think that for me it's unfortunate that whatever is going on in the in the bouldering access issues of rocky mountain national park and the wilderness areas are that they're that fired up about it um but again, yeah, I'm always, you know, I'm always happy to talk to people and I would be more than happy to sit down with any of these people. And, you know, I, I would literally buy them dinner and go, go have a chat with them. Yeah. And, you know, like I said too, probably there is probably some legitimate <laughs> thing that they're upset about yeah. and it may not have anything to do with Rocky Mountain National Park. It may not have anything to do with me, but yeah, I mean. It is it is it is difficult though. People have sent me some extremely hateful and negative um, personal attacks, and you know, I, I don't I I don't really know how else to handle it besides yeah. set a boundary and not allow them to have a platform to speak. Seems like a good strategy because <laughs> if you let that stuff get un- get under your skin, I feel like it would really. I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't handle it super well. I don't know. I, you know, I try to, I, I do try to always keep my focus on what my goal is. And that is just to have this guidebook be, yeah, you know, solidly founded in the ethics of, you know, leave no trace and, and what the Rangers are asking and that it is, that is ultimately the goal and to stay focused on that goal all the time and not be drugged down by any external ridiculous noise from, yeah from whoever. So yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's sur- surprising to me because I would imagine that, you know, I'm trying to do something that I think people would be supportive of in general, but yeah, there's there's definitely some uh, extremely aggressive hate. Yeah, but ninety percent of the people are supportive. Everything yeah. we're talking about, 
pad stashing, music of the cracks. 90, I mean, this isn't news. 90% of people are like, yeah, it's probably not the best idea to play loud music. Play music lightly. Right. Somebody asks you to turn it off, turn it off, respect right. your neighbors. Uh, probably not the best to stash pads, you know? Right. We're going to see it every now and again. Probably not the best ideal. It's just that 10%, let's say 95% of people agree with it. The, yeah. That 5%, they're very loud folks. They're very, <laughs> they're very, very loud folks. Very loud folks. You know, the other thing too is, I'm again, I'm not a ranger. I'm not. You know, I'm not up there to steal people's paths. I'm not up there to call people out. I'm not up there to, you know, get people in trouble or say, hey, you know, this is going on. I'm, that's not my intention at all, at all. I Like, you probably won't see me in Rocky Mountain National Park. I'll probably be somewhere else. Um, but, yeah, I'm not interested in, in doing any of that either. I'm just interested in advocating for those great ethics. We can be better, people. We can be much better. <laughs> Always. Do you, Do you see yourself upon completion of the Rocky Mountain book, working on a, another guidebook at some point? Or do you feel like you've... Because <laughs> these are some huge projects for you, multi, multi-year. Multi-year projects. Uh, th- so, I mean, just to be blunt professionally, I'm, you know, as soon as I finish the second guidebook, I'm going to pursue what's called a CFA, which is a Chartered Financial Analyst, which uh-huh. is just the next um, licensing exam I can take okay. uh, for my career, yeah. which is in finance. Uh so that may put the a guidebook on the back burner. You know, if I found someone who was really interested in the kind of documentation and, and sharing those ethics, I would be totally open to passing that along to someone. Um, I'm, I think right now I'm just focused on getting these two guidebooks out and then we'll see. But I, I do enjoy yeah. documentation. I mean, I am, I do have that kind of librarian mindset that I want to write yeah. everything down and, and I do have a pretty good memory for that stuff. And so I, yeah. I do enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, you must've, yeah, you must've enjoyed it a little bit in oh. order to get through something that massive. Yeah, I, I like absolutely. It's so easy to call it quits day one be like, wow, there is a lot of boulders. Well, the funny <laughs> thing is a thankless it. job is entirely <laughs> thankless. Yeah, when really I'm like is. three fourths of the way through and then someone's just like, Jamie, you're a total yeah. asshole because whatever. Hey, you forgot this my to name me as the FA for this boulder. <laughs> right. Right. You know, the to that point too, um, you know, the 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 bouldering guide is coming from my perspective as an author. You know, if mm-hmm. other people have different perspectives, I that's great. They should, you know, make, find a make publisher, a, write a guide, write a guidebook. You find know? a publisher, write a guidebook, <laughs> totally. write write a history, write a blog. Um, you know, I'm just one person putting out what what my experience was and and how I can. You're just one Jemerson. I'm just one Jemerson. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's so, the title of this episode. Just I'm just one, one Jemerson. Just one Jemerson. Alone in this big, oh, scary oh. world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there. I will say this. Uh, you know, I would expect that the Rangers are going to be hauling pads out. Yeah. And you will I'm not just... get them. You will not get them back. So if you got a shiny new organic pad, or a sauna pad, and you, you know, it's the biggest Mondo whatever, and it was five hundred dollars, uh, that could be taken away by the Rangers. And like, I'll feel bad for you. That sucks. I don't, you know, I don't want to see your pad get stolen, but, um, or taken, I should say, but, um, that, that will happen this year. So, okay. Here's my, my morbid thought on this. Please. I feel like nothing's going to, nothing's going to change. Uh, for the, from the climber's perspective, I feel like they're just going to get even better at hiding the pads, stashing them better. You know, to be honest, Feedy, you know, uh, 
I think, you know, the Rangers, the Ranger, which I will post these photos, the Ranger yeah. sent me four photos of just completely annihilated pads in lower yeah. chaos. Some of them were just under Tommy's Zarette. Yeah. I mean, the, it's not hard to hike to Tommy's Zarette. Um, but yeah, so that, that's what we're, yeah. that's the kind of things that we're seeing. And, um, you know, those pads are going to get taken. And yeah. I think that may be a wake up call for someone. Someone, someone may buy yeah. a new pad yeah, and right. say, God, I just lost $300 on a beautiful new organic pad. It's gone. I actually was climbing at um, Emerald last summer mm -hmm. and there was just like three pads leaning on the cube boulder mm -hmm. and uh, a ranger was like, are these your pads? And I was like, they've been here for like five hours since we got here. Mm -hmm. We don't know who they are. And the ranger was like, I just can't believe that someone would like put them here. It's like, yeah, it's embarrassing it was a very embarrassing to for boulders that somebody thought this was the place right to stash <laughs> stash some pads you know if the pads you know if they were you know I, I mean maybe it wouldn't be such a big deal if they were neatly if they were neatly and and you know well stashed underground i know at some point that was kind of the ranger's perspective was that hey we know this goes on yeah um please don't just leave them out and uh, you know i've i've said this a few times but uh, there, the superintendent of Rocky Mountain National Park came oh, to yeah. Lower Chaos, saw pads out underneath Bush Pilot, and lost it. Was just like, this is totally unacceptable. That's right. It's not okay, and threatened to close down Lower Chaos permanently. So I, I it is important to know that that is on the table mm -hmm. sometimes, especially when behavior gets really bad. Yeah. And that's from the superintendent of Rocky, you know, and it just happens one day, just like the closure yeah. in Upper Chaos. It just, well, one day they just announce it and that's it. And I think people will be really upset if that happens. I will be upset if that happens, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's not even remotely out of the realm of possibility. Just because it's a worst case scenario doesn't mean it. I mean, obviously it's trending. Things are trending that way. Right. The behavior maintains its current trajectory. <laughs> yeah. You know what I, I mean? I, I, until yeah. they allow drone drop-offs of pads. Uh, <laughs> Drones are I, motorized vehicles, Dave. I, I know, <laughs> I know. Maybe they'll make an exemption for us. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if, if if there was a way that we could have a bear box up there, that would be great. You know, I know the Rangers are aware enough to understand that, that you know, maybe that's an option, but I, that yeah. nothing has been done. Yeah. And it's my understanding that the amount of bureaucracy that would be created to even put up one metal box in the lower cast would be pretty astronomical. And again, especially, you know, the visitation in Rocky Mountain National Park has gone from like, I think it was about 2.8 million uh, in the early 2000s, and it's like 4.5 million now. So it's more than doubled or almost doubled. And that is, that's really the, what the park is concerned about and is, is interested in managing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, no doom and gloom though. These are all good things. It's yeah. okay. Just don't yeah. stash your pets. It's all yeah. right. <laughs> and if you keep doing stash your pets, if you keep stashing your pets, best of luck. You know what I mean? Right. Hope right. they don't get found. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly not going to be up there take, policing, doing any of that stuff. So yeah, if you, if you want to break the rules, go for it. But you are running the risk that, I mean, not only are you threatening, uh, you know, the reputation of climbers, but you're also running the risk of just getting your pads taken by the, by the Rangers never see them again. So yeah. Well, I would love to sit here and talk just about the history and, you know, 
who did what in this amazing time when, you know, Jimmy Webb put up this boulder problem or, you know, that's a lot more of an enjoyable thing to talk mm-hmm. about. I understand that as well. Uh, but I think this is really important. Yeah. I mean, I, we're just disseminating news. I mean, right. You know, and that's, the, that's kind of a tough thing to think about is how climbers don't have like, how do you, there's no central way to immediately communicate to anybody, any boulder who's going to Rocky mountain. Like, Hey, uh, here's the current status of things. Here's like the, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like the, the ability to get information to the people who need to hear it in the climate community feels a little hard sometimes. We don't have a governing body. Yeah. No. And thank n- God for that too, because I think that's totally against the ethos of climbing. Right. Is that we don't, we don't need a governing body, but. Hmm. You know, one thing that always saddens me is I look at, you know, I've spent quite a bit of time climbing uh, in the Southeast in Chattanooga, um, Alabama, and they have the Southeast Climbers Coalition. And the Southeast Climbers Coalition does a ton of great work to advocate for bouldering areas, mm-hmm. to advocate for access. It's just like that. Something like that is, I know, I know there's the BCC. Uh, BCC is huge right. nationwide, really, with its scope. And it, But it seems like there's the boulders are forgotten or, you know, the boulders can't self-organize to, <laughs> to create some kind of a organization to help bouldering and it just seems to get forgotten and look at the mountain biking community you know we can learn from all kinds because the mountain biking community is like the best trail work rubbish removal community out there they're just like stellar about maintaining because they do need to build right right in wilderness areas and they do it ethically and they go through all the right channels and we just need to learn from other user groups you know what i mean um, that's a great point, Dave. I, you know, I don't mountain bike and I don't really know much about it, but I can see that popularity of it has exploded and I can see that there, I do feel the sense that there are people that care and are taking care of these trails and it would be great to see that in climbing and, and maybe we're just ahead of the curve, you know, maybe, maybe when some of these people who have been climbing, you know, get into their forties or fifties who have been bouldering, they may, they may want to step up a little more. That'd be awesome to see. I don't think it's remotely doom and gloom. Um, outfits like the BCC, what you were talking about down south, um, the Bishop Climbing Council, I think mm-hmm. it's called. There are so many good organizations that are just rocking it right now in conjunction with the wildlife or national forests or national park or state parks. Um I think we're doing pretty darn good as a community right now for the explosion we've seen in the last 10 years, this unprecedented explosion. I mean, there's no reason the climbers feel bad about the way we're carrying ourselves in, um, through, through the wilderness. You know, there are always going to be issues. That's all we're talking about. These are just little burrs in our sandal. Yeah. That's, that's a good point that climbing has exploded like absolutely exploded and it's makes sense that there's growing pains. It makes sense that there's, there's going to be issues. And you know, the fact that we do have access to these areas, you know, I haven't, you know, I'm not aware of a bouldering area that's been just completely closed down, uh, you know, in the last five years and maybe there is one, but it seems like in general, you know, climbers are, you know, look at Waco. I feel like Waco is a tough situation, but climbers have gotten their way in there and they do have a footprint. They do have a presence and I think it would be, it would be shocking if they just completely close it to climbing. They have done a lot of hard work down there, and it's it shows. I kind of wonder if Rocky Mountain's heading towards the Waco. 
Yeah, situation. I mean, th- you know, that's again not something they mentioned to me, but it seems like maybe that's. Uh, I know, I know they've kicked around the idea that has been mentioned by the Rangers, um, but nothing has been put forward. Uh, yeah, again, the bureaucracy is like out of control. I think for you doing something like that. Gotta wait to see, like. Um what the post-pandemic population in the wilderness is going to be like. Is it going to be continue to grow in this, uh, you know, the user numbers grow in such a dynamic way, Mm -hmm. such a disturbing way. And we're all users. So we're part of that disturbance. Or is it going to be the Peloton story? Right. Where in, 2020 lots and lots of people got into climbing i mean lots Uh, every gear shop from bishop to providence was celebrating in 2020 and 2021 now peloton's on the verge of bankruptcy and i think that is probably the outdoor industry is going to see that as well Mm. so it's probably best to wait and see after this very strange two or three years that we're in right now if that use is going to continue to grow or people are going to go back to, you know, their Xbox or the tennis courts or, you know, playing pickup basketball in the gym, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all, yeah, how this all like, um, falls out. I mean, that's another great point, Dave, that, um, you know, we are in a kind of ridiculous time and people have been flooding national parks, flooding the outdoors, flooding the trailheads. Colorado's seen explosive growth in the last five years, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where it goes, but yeah, yeah, I don't have a finger on it at all. But I do see what's happening to all the gear that people bought during COVID, which is obviously still going on, and just to see these 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 huge companies that exploded just. I mean, I heard Peloton's not even going to make bikes and treadmills next year. Oh, really? Yeah, I know they've really their share price has been way down. Wow. Um, I th- and I think that's a canary in the coal mine. Hmm. Interesting. And, and I think that we may see a little bit of that, God willing, in the climbing community as well. Maybe it'll thin out a bit. <clears throat> you know, I think who knows though. You know, I, I, you guys, like it's. There's some part of me that is cynical and is just rolling my eyes when I see this stuff, these changes and these, you know, what seem like, um, you know, just bad behavior or a lot of entitlement, but there's also some part of me that's like, and I think that the part of me that wins out is that things are changing and I just want to be a part of the change. I want to see, um, I want to, you know, influence that change if I can and not worry about, you know, yeah, things were different in 2001, um, but they're going to be different in, 2050 so things are just going to keep changing yeah and let's just keep trying to roll with those changes and the only way we can really do that is through open and honest communication i think with the rangers and with other climbers and i think that's part of what i'm trying to do with this and and with the instagram account too i think something that should be god excuse me should be a solve on like i have that same cynicism that you you know, when you yeah. feel it creep up, you just want to banish it. But there's a part of you that is always going to be a curmudgeonly <laughs> old dude who, you know, get off my lawn. It just happens with age. Um, but I really honestly think that there isn't a specialty gear shop owner, an independent gym owner, uh, a wall manufacturer 
who every week isn't thinking of a way to make the transition from Jim to Craig more laced with um, etiquette and kind of best practices and how to make that is a very tricky subject in the nobody should be blamed that we haven't figured like crack that nut yet but i think it should all give us hope but i can speak fairly confidently that there isn't an, at least not talking about corporate but small companies who aren't constantly thinking about paving a better road a more sustainable road from the gym to the to the crag to get people outdoors with all the knowledge they need i think that's a nut we can crack too yeah with with People like you writing guidebooks, finding ways to be a mentor in whichever outlet you can from Instagram to Facebook to, you know, doing a talk at your local gym or whatever you have access to. I'm pretty hopeful. That is, that is, you know, we've talked about this before, but this idea of just corporate social responsibility that, you know, I work for a corporation, um, you know, we get involved in all kinds of outside endeavors to benefit the society and you know there's a real like you say there's a real clear pathway that some of these smaller client climbing companies can really do great educational work on you know who's stopping whatever crash pad company or climbing shoe company from putting out a series of videos with pro climbers on there talking about hey when i go to the crag this is how i do it when I, you know, I, you know, when I go to Rocky Mountain National Park, it's a little different. This is how I, you know, I don't stash my pad or I, I clean up my ticks or I don't, I listen to music and headphones. You know, I know that some of that stuff has been done, but clearly there is a, an opportunity to do a lot more and um, really, you know, kind of make that part of the climbing culture as well. At every CWA meeting for the last 10 years, they've had forums about this. Really? You know what I mean? I haven't been to CWA in a long time. It's tough for the gyms to implement this stuff. Is it cost prohibitive? I mean, what's the... I don't think it's cost prohibitive. I think that when you're disseminating disseminating information, best practices, um, you assume responsibility for other people's behavior. Mm. And I got to find a way around that. Right. And that's why those small independent stores can be show a little bit more. Uh, I don't want to say bravery, but I can't think of another word. Um, show a little bit more. Um, I'll just say bravery in how they talk about it and how they can teach. Um, I don't know, man. We've talked a lot of doom and gloom, but I'm pretty hopeful. Ninety-five percent of climbers are just stellar folks. Yeah. It's, it's just going to keep taking more effort as this whole thing explodes, you know? Yeah. More people like you. You know, back in the day in Chaos Canyon, there were, you know, it was maybe 15 or 20 people that were going there and that was it. And you, if you saw someone, you knew them. And, you know, I, I remember uh, a certain, a certain famous climber who I will not name, uh, but he, he was, uh, yeah, he had his name written on the crash pad. Extremely famous climber had his name written on the crash pad and his phone number, and it was stashed underneath the GoBot. And, um, you know, as we said, that's changed. You know, it's just we're not. That's not where we're operating anymore at all. We are operating in a community with twenty-five climbing gyms. It's all over the internet. It's all over the Olympics, and we need people to step up. You know, we need people to advocate for these things and show up at cleanups or, you know, produce a cleanup. No one's stopping anyone from making a cleanup 
And I know that can always happen. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, it's a free for all to do whatever you want to. And, you know, maybe the people that are working full-time jobs don't have the time to do that. But I know that people who are just hanging out at the gym for six hours a day, you know, take a day once, once a year and how dare you, Jamie, <laughs> do something a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we said all that because it's not all doom and gloom. It's not. It really isn't. A lot of people do care. Mm-hmm. I care. Yeah. <laughs> all righty. I, I think we should just stop it with him whispering. I care. <laughs> I think so too. I care. Well, Jamie, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you guys. Uh, this is really great. That was awesome. Man, you, you know. pulled us out of the you pulled us out of the abyss. Yeah. The we were gone. We were... <laughs> to be honest, I feel like we need to do another one just where we just like shoot the shit and talk about whatever. Yeah. Um Yeah, this was a this was a more informative. Yeah. Yeah, we still we still haven't talked at all about what you've been up to in both our interviews. <laughs> that's not <laughs> that's not relevant. I mean it'd be nice to just be like well Jamie and I have been bouldering together and we always joke about how we're gonna start a web series that's gonna be called Jamie's Road to Fitness. Oh yeah, just because I'm back because I've been out of shape and I'm, <laughs> and I'm like trying to get back in shape. And so Fidi was like, we need to take photos of your body and before and after. Oh, my God. Show me in the gym, like, failing on a V4. What's funny, though, is we climb, like, I feel like you climb, like, once every two or three weeks right now. So every time we go, it's, like, has, it's. I would say it's solid once a week. I'm I'm at a once a week. Okay. Oh, yeah. At least. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Adult is hard, man. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Work is. Having a corporate job is no joke. And, um, yeah, it's, it's takes a lot of motivation to yeah finish the day of work and then just go right to the gym and mm-hmm. hammer it out. I, I have an immense amount of respect for people that do that. It's very difficult. This has been the worst, my worst year of climbing since coming to Colorado. And a huge part of it is mostly just like the, <laughs> I don't know, I reached a point in my climbing where the amount of energy needed to see continued progress i was just kind of like oh that's a lot that's a lot i'm just gonna well ultimately you're just right taking care oh. of your mental health which is super important mm-hmm. and you know and sometimes i think the focus and obsession on climbing can undermine that for people and so it's there's nothing yeah. wrong with that i have people. hope i have hope for the a second wind nice it's coming I'm on like the eighth wind or something <laughs> at this point. Dude, I'm on like the fourteenth wind. <laughs> the, the wind's starting to, to get pretty raspy over I'd here. Yeah, I see know. a strong zephyr come from Dave. I think it's coming. I'm ready to see it. I, I don't think it's gonna be bouldering, but it'll be coming. My the my poor broken bones can't handle anymore. The, the Dave. Loads. The Dave. He's already going to Vitavu. He's already yeah. he's already transitioning to be right. to plug, trad climber. We're plugging widgets now. Yeah, I'm gonna get real grumpy. All right, all right, all right. Thank you, Jamie. Yep. Thanks, got... Jamie. Adios, amigos. Woo! Down in the city where the wind patterns change, blowing around the buildings all tall and strange. We back. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, Dave and I were just talking about how we love to be in this position right here. Which 
Dave Which position are we? Me. Whoa. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, talking on the into the microphone. Oh, oh sorry. man. I'm curiously aroused right now. <laughs> um, you know what's funny about Jemerson? Yeah. Is that uh, it's delightful talking to that dude, mm-hmm. even when he's dispelling information that like. You know, could have dire consequences for climbers or yeah. could have a happy ending as well. And also he's like, Yeah, these people are coming after <laughs> me and but it's yeah. the whole time like smiling. It's like, ah, Jamie. Yeah. It's fun to, he's fun to talk to. He is fun to talk yeah. to and he's also like one of the greatest assets the bouldering community has in Colorado. Just yes. without a doubt. Yeah, and he's, de- I mean, we definitely talked about it a bunch in the episode, but I do want to reiterate just from my perspective that Jamie is definitely somebody who is just living with the, 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 his, his past is like haunting him in the sense that he was this character who was notoriously a stickler and is no longer that way. Really. He's chilled out and he talks about that changing, but it just like haunts him to this day where people automatically assume the worst. The sheriff yeah. coming down on Jamie's, us, man. If Jamie's involved in the story, it's like he's there's this bias towards him that um, hopefully that we helped um, clarify that. You know, dispel, those dispel those dirty myths about yeah. the Jemerson. But yeah, it was a, another really fun episode with him. I, I liked our last one too a lot. That was kind of a... That's why we were reanimated from the dead. Yes. As infotainer, as zombie mm-hmm. infotainers, to bring you all the news that's fit to print. Yeah. And I mean, you know, our last episode, we did say we would be back at some point, and we clearly did not come back. We did, though. We're, we are, we, technically, we're not liars. We're not technically fibbers. We're not. But, you know, to, to come clean, it's unlikely you will be seeing us very frequently. But, you know, we did feel like it'd be fun to come back for one more. Just to, just for old times' sake, and <laughs> well, yeah, the lay of the land is that if an opportunity presents itself, that we would be fools mm-hmm. to walk away from. We'll do another episode. I'm still paying for the platform. It is alive. That may not happen forever, <laughs> but uh, you know if if we get an interview that we cannot turn down in good conscience. We will come back. But the truth is like Feedy is engaged. Ladies and gentlemen. Hell yeah. I changed careers. It has been a very busy time. Everybody's busy. I hate it when people say they're busy. Yeah. That's like saying you're not, you're lazy, but I'm busy. Um, I mean, you know, we had a, at the end of the day, we had, I think a good run. Of, of interviews that I'm super proud of. Me too. And I think people enjoyed them. <laughs> and, you know, this made... Who knows? Who knows? It definitely isn't going to be regular. We're not going to be regular. But um, if something comes across the wavelength that we can't deny, we'll do yeah. another one. Mm-hmm. Um, but until that day, <laughs> it will be radio silence. Until that day, you got the nugget. <laughs> I that was oh yeah that was another thing I was gonna say it's not like um there aren't pl- yeah like fifty more climbing podcasts mm-hmm. than when we started holding down the fort like there's yeah, some yeah, good yeah. ones out there and I'm not gonna name them all you guys know them yes they are but out there 
they're freaking great. And see, those people make money. Yeah. From doing the podcast. Feedy and I we, we lose money. We, we made no money. <laughs> we paid a lot uh, of money. Hey, we did get some like sick um like protein shake companies message us one time. They were like, Hey, you can we sponsor this underclean? Do you remember that? They were like us they were like a vitamin company. No. Oh. I don't remember that. I don't want no stinking vitamins anyway though. Are they FDA tested? We had doubt yeah. it. We had the classic like influencer sponsorship offers which are most likely just scams so we almost made it dave well and the (laughs) truth is we didn't want to be i personally i don't want to speak for you i did not want to be sponsored i didn't want anybody regulating yeah uh the amount of the word fuck i say um or talking points or we'd have to do commercials like no way however seeing everybody else like doing podcasts and making money yeah, they can keep doing that. We're going to step away, not because of the money. That was just, that's a small thing. Yeah. If we did make a lucrative income, <laughs> I would love to make this my career. I would be very excited. No, that the truth happen. is, guys, Dave Dave wanted to quit the podcast because he wanted to pursue his Pearl Jam podcast dreams. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm tired of not telling the truth, Dave. Yeah, well. It, <laughs> come on, man. I'm not starting a Pearl Jam podcast. I am not starting any other podcast. This is the first time I picked up the microphone since the Jamie interview. Yeah. And With- before that, Real Rock. That's it. Yeah. That's the only time I ever want to pick up a microphone mm-hmm. ever standing on that yeah. stage. Yep. Well, that's a, that's really all we got to say here. Um- <laughs> yeah. If you guys got it, if you have questions, like you want to know... Like people are like, ooh, I'm gonna be up late at night wondering why they are doing the podcast. I'm sure no, you guys are just gonna be just fine. But if you want to know more info or have questions, you you know the drill. Get a hold of us. Um, DM us on Instagram, Facebook. Dave's gonna make you work for it. Wherever we exist, I'm not. Yeah, I don't. There are actually many different reasons why I personally stepped away at the beginning from this podcast in the middle of what in late 2020 we kind of no early 2020 i don't remember when we our last like bold december 2020 december 2020 yeah i i left for california like the next day for three months um, he gone he gone yeah anyway if you want to know that the down and dirty just get a hold of us on instagram but other than that it has been a fucking pleasure yeah we're both super proud of every all the media we created who knows what the future holds? Who maybe knows? maybe some angel investors gonna be like, I like the sound of them boys' voices. I'm gonna Here's five thousand dollars a week. <laughs> oh, oh my god. god. Um, hey, there's a non-zero chance that could happen. There is a, a non-zero zero chance that could happen. But we're not dogmatic. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But you know what? I'll, I'll do anything for five thousand dollars a week. There's a lot of people. <laughs> really? Close to anything. I mean, that's... Oh, there's my dog again. Yeah. That means we pro- he's starting to get upset yeah. that we're running too long. Yeah. And with that, goodbye for another X years. Goodbye. Thanks for listening, guys. Mate.
roaring drummer who will double as my driver, triple as my psychiatrist. Oh, we must prescribe the.